Hello everyone, and welcome to CView Quantum Network. I'm your presenter, Daniel, and I'm here with producer Claudia Pareko. We are cosmic beings, beings of light. A moment of your time is one of the most extraordinary gifts we could ever be given. We are honored every time we've received a moment of your time. We are honored, privileged, and humbled. We serve in your presence. Our shows are held on Mondays and Fridays at 12 p.m. Eastern U.S. Time, 9 a.m. Pacific. At any moment to participate on our shows, please call 805-830-8344 and press 1 to talk with the host. All podcasts are easily found in all social media and are available free, live, or on demand. To request a show, please write to Claudia Pareco at cview1111 at gmail.com or visit our website, cview1111.net. Now, let's listen to our host and topic of the day. Thank you, Danny, and welcome everybody to see you. Today, we have a very special guest and an extraordinary topic. What about writing a nonfiction book in eight hours? We have our special guest, Mitchell Levy, and he is well known as the AHA guy, and he works at AHA.com. How cool it is. Imagine you have all these aha moments in your life, and then you have someone that can help you put them all together, put it in a book, and make money. Wouldn't that be extraordinary? Our guest is an accomplished entrepreneur who has created 20 businesses in Silicon Valley, including four publishing companies that have published over 800 books. Mitchell is a TEDx speaker and international best-selling author with 60 business books. He's provided strategic consulting to over 100 companies, has advised over 500 CEOs on critical business issues, and has been a chairman of the board of a NASDAQ listing company. Oh my God, that is so much. And think about that. Now you have Mitchell here to share everything that he knows. Well, probably not everything, but most of the things that you want to know. So you can imagine writing a book in only eight hours and make money. So with that, let's bring the our guests today and start our conversation. Mitchell, welcome to see you. <laughs> Claudia, great to be here. I, I've never heard my intro with humming in the background. That was that was quite fascinating. <laughs> oh good. We make things happen over here. So just like you that was an aha 
moment <laughs> your introduction. So, you know, when you, it's almost like um, you we read about you and we learn about what you do, and we went to your Facebook, your social media, everything that you do feels and looks like success. It feels like whatever is it that you got, your genius, you found it, and now you are exploiting it. You're transmitting who you are in the way that everybody that is a life worker, a um, in the metaphysical, a aspiring writer, everyone that is looking to bring down that information into paper can benefit from today's show. Oh, thank you. I, it was interesting. You know what came to my mind when you said those words, that everything looks like success? What came to my mind is that's a matter of how you determine success, right? So, so here's one of the things that I'll say is a lot of times when I work with a new partner or somebody I'm working with and we haven't done work before, uh, this, is my, this is my example of a business relationship. You meet somebody you like each other, you shake hands, you decide you want to partner on a project together. I've done over a thousand partnerships like this. And what happens is you always find your first client because when you have a client together, something always goes wrong. And it's how the person who you're interacting with, it's how your partner interacts with your client while you're not in the room that makes you decide if you want to continue partnering with them. And so most of what we do is really, and we, it's the generic, we have got a team that I work with, but most of what we do or most of what I do, you know, I end up with what the world would be considered successful because we, we satisfied, we delivered value, and we made money. Now, there are many times that the world might consider unsuccessful. We either didn't finish the results or we ran an experiment that didn't go the way we want. I still call that success because notice I'm calling a, an initial partnership an experiment. The, the, the definition of an experiment is you get to the end of the experiment and you know whether or not you want to go forward or not go forward. So even if I hit the end of the experiment, I go, man, this is not going to work, but it was nice to do this one experiment with you. It was fun. We, we made profit, but let's not do it again. That to me is still success. So I think it, it's, it's how you approach life and how you – how you learn, grow, and share what you do with others because we, there are people who are doing things which are on the forefront of what's going on, and then there are people who want to learn from that. And it doesn't matter. There's no right or wrong of where you exist in life. But my, my role is I'm, I'm living a life that I really, really enjoy, and, and I love to share uh, tips and techniques and approaches that people can can take advantage of it themselves. You know, what you just said is exactly what many of the um, shows and the people that come to see you have come to know. And it's you make a choice, but you don't have to marry that choice. It is writing a book. It is doing a successful workshop. Whatever it is that you choose, it's just for today that you don't have to have it forever. So you're right. Sometimes what seems to be um, not a success in the world's uh, world is actually 
a success for you because you learned something new about yourself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, how about, can I say, not just about yourself, but also about the audience you serve. And yes. that's probably the most important, the important thing and what I'm looking at. I've been in Silicon Valley for 30 years. And so having been in Silicon Valley and watching the technology before the world cared as much about it as they do today and watching the transformation in society in almost everything that we do, as a matter of fact, one way to think about it, and this is why I, I did a TED Talk on the topic, is we are in the most massive transformation that humankind has ever gone through. Uh, we were in the industrial age, and the height of the industrial age was sort of 1920s. And between 1920 and 2019, that 100-year period, I would say that we've made it 50% on the transition from the industrial age to the social age. And what happens is whenever society is changing, the, the question happens, do people keep up and, and what's happening in the world? And, and I would say, looking at Silicon Valley, there are so many people I know that just didn't keep up with the changing times. And now what's going to happen in the next 10 to 20 years, we're going to hit the other 50% of the transformation. So what I would say in general is anyone who has a job, anyone who does things, anyone who serves others, by definition, whatever you're doing today will disappear tomorrow. So the question is, who do you become and how do you transition and how are you successful? So that's why I did the TED Talk, which was, which was my way of giving back to those people I interact with and the thought of the TED, and you just, you can Google Mitchell Levy TED Talk or you can Google being seen and being heard as a thought leader. And, and because I serve mostly a business audience, I put my TED Talk in business terms and I came up with, I wanted to come up with a simple catchphrase, something that people will remember. And I know we've heard this before, but here's what I've talked about. We do business with those that we know, like, and trust. And if you think about that, how do you act tomorrow? Well, you have to be known. So that's part of what we do on social media. That's part of what I do when you see, when you see me out there. You don't just see the good stuff in the business wins. You, just, you see the personal side as well. Uh, we have to be liked because if you're not liked by the audience in the past, you, you didn't care whether or not you necessarily liked your salesperson or you didn't care whether or not you liked the company or not. But nowadays – we're actually voicing our opinion. We have more choice because because of the Internet, we have a global economy to, to interact with. So if you don't like the service firm you're working with, you can go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And the most important thing is you have to be trusted. And so the important part is how do you be trusted? This audience, who you serve, when I was looking at how you write yourself up, this audience is the preeminent audience driving. How do you be trusted? Well, you could be you. Right? If you're you and you demonstrate vulnerability and you demonstrate integrity and authenticity, those are the three core elements that allow you to be seen by others. And if people can see you, they can trust you. So now that, that was sort of my, my give back on the world is uh, because things are changing so dramatically uh, that if you want to be successful tomorrow, think about how could you be – known, liked, and trusted. You know, yeah, 
and thinking about a CBO, my own business, that is so true. I don't, I cannot serve people that do not trust on what we do here. And 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 the funny thing, um, Mitchell, is usually it's pretty much like we are invisible to those people that do not. It's 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 funny how when you are in a, a niche or in an area that you are dedicating your life, you attract those people or those beings that are in the same place that you are. And usually people that are not do not even find about you. But the moment you reach or, or you get that information in, in the way that it makes you trusty and it makes you available, Magic happens. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. So uh, you said something that caught my attention, and that is you work with thought leaders, and that's something that I work as well. But why don't we define a little bit what you think a thought leader is, and what um and how we can relate that to the audience that will listen to you. You know, it's very, you kind of mentioned it in how you, how you spoke and expressed yourself. So, because life has changed. The old school mm -hmm. thought leader, the industrial age thought leader, was the person who was made by the publishing company or made by the media. Because we had, uh, way back when, three, three TV stations, right? And and that person stood on top of the mountain, and that person sort of shouted out and barked orders, and their flock said, okay, tell me how high I need to jump, and that's how high I'm going to jump. And, and it was a one-side relationship. Nowadays, because everyone has a microphone and everyone has a camera, we don't, we don't actually want a unidimensional, a one-direction thought leader telling us what to do. We want to interact with our thought leaders. We want to interact with our experts. We want to interact with those people who can actually see our specific dilemma, our particular problem, and service us directly. And so what happens is the, the better way to think about it versus the term thought leader, although it's still prominently used, is to think about the recognized expert. So when I think about a thought leader, I think about if, if I have a particular issue, concern, or problem, I, and I know who to go to, I'm going to go to them directly. But let's say I have a problem, there's something I need to do, and I just don't know who to, who to talk to. Well, what am I going to do? First, I'm going to go to my trusted friends, and I'm going to say, hey, listen, I have a problem with, and you fill in the blank, now, who do you know? And they're going to recommend somebody. So if a good friend of mine, so Claudia, let's say we, we just, we had this hour conversation. We really bombed uh, over the weekend. Something happens where I, I think I need somebody or I bump into somebody who might be a really good fit for you. I'm going to call you up and I'm going to say, hey, listen, can you help me? I need to find somebody who could do this, whatever this is. When you recommend somebody, I'm going to trust them immediately because you recommend them, mm -hmm. right? Because you're going to say, because, you know, we had this conversation, we bonded. So that person you're going to say to me is, hey, Mitchell, here's an expert in the space. Here's somebody you should talk to. My job, my thought process is I want to make them my thought leader, right? That thought leader is that person, the recognized expert who could solve your problem. 
because when you when you buy something, when you interact something, when you get service. So, for instance, um, let's say you go for chiropractor. If I go to a chiropractor or if I go to a doctor, whether it's a, a Western med- medical doctor or an Eastern medical doctor, and they tell me something, I actually want that to be the answer. I, I don't want, of course, unless it's a bad answer. But you know, <laughs> but if, if they tell me something, I, I want to trust that they are the best person in the world to tell me this at this point in time, and, and I'm going to believe it. Um, you know, this, but the same is true with anything. You, you go to the store and buy something. You want the person who you're buying with to be your thought leader. So it's really it's the recognized expert in the space. And what happens is, and what's interesting is I mentioned that if, if I had an issue and I thought you would know people, I'd go to you, Claudia. If I don't know anyone who could solve the issue, what am I, am I going to do in today's world? I'm going to go to Google YouTube. I'm going to say, how do I get help with this issue? How do I get help with this problem? And I'm going to have my friend Google tell me the answer. And now here's where it gets interesting. What pops up? What is appropriate? What shows up on the screen? And this is where, as a business person, this is where my company really shines because when we create a book for somebody, we're going to create a book that essentially is the pain point that the, that the person I'm working with, it's a pain point that, that they solve for their client base, that they solve for their community. The way I look at it, I call it a CPOP, a customer point of pain. So the question you, that I always ask when I talk to people is, what's your CPOP? What, is, what do you solve? Who is, who's your customer base? How do you define them? And what problems do you solve for them? What is the issue that you actually do? And then what's really fun, Claudia, is when, when we write a book for somebody, we typically title the book by the, by the name of the CPOP, by what they solve for their, for their audience. And the reason we do that is then when you go to your friend Google and you say, hey, listen, I have a problem with – and what happens if the title of your book pops up and the image of your book pops up? If I'm looking at Google and I'm, I'm saying, hey, here's a book, and this is exactly the problem I need to get solved, and I click on the book and I go, oh, I like the cover of this book. I may read a couple of lines on the inside, but I'm going to say, hey, let me talk to the author. That ends up becoming your thought leader because it's a person who you can recognize as potentially solving your problem. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does exactly make sense because um, that's uh, one of the things that happens when producing a show on CBU is the title. So sometimes I tell the, the the people that I work with is no, we don't need a, we need a title that when you read it, you know exactly who you are. Like and just <laughs> what you said, like the, if the show is going to be about a book. Well, the title should say book. If I <laughs> if I'm left wondering what is going to be the show about, then that's not a good title. I I know this sounds really simple, right? I mean, because it's 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 fun that you have so many shows and so many people you work with, and and I'm sure some of your your host your 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 host on your programs they go, hey, how come this show did great and this show didn't? And sometimes what people think about is, is sexy, standalone, one-word titles might, might do it. But the thing is, you don't end up getting good 
search engine juice, right? It you don't it it's not strong enough, and and I think in today's world where we have so little time to focus on something, you want if you if you're going to get somewhere between three to five seconds of somebody's attention, uh, make sure it counts. Make sure it's that it's that thing that all of a sudden they go oh. Yeah, you know what? Maybe maybe I'll give it a couple more seconds, or maybe I'll give it a half a minute to see if I want to go further. And, and that ultimately, your thought leader is the person who you allow to capture some of your attention, right? It's it's that person you listen to. Like, oh, hey, this this conversation with Claudia Mitchell that was pretty cool. I'm going to give it some time. Guess what? We're 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 currently your thought leaders, and we're sharing interesting content. And, and if we can embark on you any sort of gift that you then take away and do something with, that's phenomenal. It's what our, it, it, to me, that's why we're on this earth is to share good, compelling knowledge to help. A, an aha moment to me is simply that opportunity where I could turn on a light bulb or give somebody a, a thought or a framework that helps them unlock an issue they've been having or help them reach a larger audience. To me, that's really the fun part. Yeah, that is. So, so when you have identified um, that you are a thought leader, and this is for anyone listening to the show, so you, you know you have something that needs to be shared. Now, you are wondering, how do I share that? Should I be a book writer? So when you are asked if you should write a book yourself, what are your, what are your thoughts about that? How can you come up with the answer of, well, I'll do it myself. Oh, oh, I'll find someone to write it with. Oh, I'll hire somebody to do it for me. So here's, here's where I think to your audience, I might be slightly controversial. The, uh, let me tell you, it, so remember, this is, let me give you perspective. I'm giving you this perspective from a business person. So mm-hmm. what's important in business? Uh, in business, what's important is that we attract more people, we attract more clients, that we satisfy our clients to make them happy, that we build product for tomorrow. And step number four, if we're big enough that we have a, a nice, robust team, that we empower our team to be successful. Nowhere in those four things is it writing a book. So now that said, the best possible tool you could put on the market to demonstrate that you're an expert, that you're a thought leader, is to write a book. And so what I'm going to say is there are three reasons to write a book. Now, one of them could be relevant to this audience, but one reason is that it's cathartic. It's one of those things that you something has experienced, something happened in your life, and you just have to write because you need to get the story out, okay? A second reason could be because as a speaker, you're not really sure what your next year speaking agenda is and how to focus your energy until you actually write it down. And there are people who process the world that way. And the third reason to write a book is because it's a hobby. That's where I get in trouble sometimes because – you know, the thing is, if you're sitting down writing a book, you are not doing any of the things I mentioned that a business person does, right? So you're not prospecting for new business. You're not, uh, you're not satisfying your customers. You're not building product for tomorrow unless it's number two where you're actually writing to build product for tomorrow or, it's, or you're not empowering your team. So 
that's where I often say, figure out how to press the easy button in anything you do in life. And, and so the, you had started the conversation with, hey, how do you write a book in eight hours? You can. And what the first question or first statement I'm going to say is, what is a book? So, so we'll step back and we'll say, you know, it is that 3,000-year-old credibility piece. It is that piece that people, when, when they see the book author, they go, wow, this person must know something, or this person must be smart, or this mu- person must be credible. And in particular, if you have a book that you can call an Amazon best-selling book, it's, which is part of what we do, and the title of the book is The CPOP You Solve, it's The Customer Point of Pain You Solve, all of a sudden you're seeing the author of the book and you go, wow, this person's credible. This person's an expert. And you're an Amazon best-selling author. It must be somebody I should talk to. So we have a, uh, our website is ahadat, A-H-A-T-H-A-T.com. And if you went to ahadat.com slash author, we actually have a three-step writing process for how to write a book. Uh, we also do the ghostwriting where we make it easy for somebody. But now let me step back, and once again, I ask the question, what is a book? So when you look inside of a book, some people think books are, you know, 25,000 or 100,000 words. And, and those types of books, a 25,000-word book, which is about 120, 140 pages, would take about 120 to 140 hours to write. Uh, a 100,000-word book, you know, the, the great American novel – uh, that's going to take you, you know, three, four hundred hours. And if you write with, for a traditional publishing company, you're going to spend a thousand hours writing. And, and that's crazy time-wise. So the interesting part is, oh, here's another thing. When, you're, when you actually hand your book to a potential prospect, I mean, somebody who could really be your client, and you've got a book, which is 25,000 words do you actually think the prospect is going to read it? And unfortunately, in today's world, most people don't. So taking a look at time to market in terms of writing and time to consumption in terms of reading a book, uh, what we've done is redefine the concept of a book to, to be able to be presented in the way that we want to consume data today. So uh, I've got uh, four different publishing companies. The one I'm going to talk about is Aha That, where – What's inside of a book is 140 bite-sized quotes and seven blog posts. So it's that 140 aha messages designed to capture somebody's attention and seven blog posts so that, A, it's easy to consume, but, B, you only need one aha message to capture somebody's attention. So do you you mind if I read one of my uh, aha messages from uh, my latest book? Would that be okay? No, I don't. Yeah, sure. Cool. So, so the book is the, the same title as my TED Talk. It's called Being Seen and Being Heard as the Thought Leader. And I'm going to read AHA number four. And, and AHA number four says, good thought leaders are at the top of the mountain. Great thought leaders are at the bottom of the mountain, helping others climb up. How cool is that? Right? So, so here's what's interesting. If I'm standing in front of a crowd and I'm presenting – I'm going to have that aha message uh, uh, projected on the screen. I'm going to strike a funny pose. I'm going to tell my audience, hey, by the way, why don't you take out your camera? This is the one that you want to take the picture on. Um, What's interesting about that aha message, when it's in the book, I have lines underneath the aha message. 
So if, if it's a small crowd, notice the word I'm going to use. I'm going to give a copy of my book to everyone in the audience. If it's a large crowd, I'm going to try to find a sponsor who wants to give the book to everyone in the audience. And I'm going to tell them to open up to that page, and I'm going to say, hey, listen, why don't you write down what you did last week or last month to help people climb the mountain? Why don't you tell me what you're going to write, uh, what you're going to be doing next month? And that one aha message, you don't need to know about anything else in the book. You're like, oh, am I the type of thought leader? Am I the type of expert that are helping people climb the mountain? What am I doing as part of my business to encourage people to do that? And, and, and that can set you on a stream of thinking that will absolutely help you, uh, help you walk through, hey, am I doing the right stuff? Am I moving in the right direction? And, and, and to me, that's what a, what a book is, is the opportunity for you to capture some, somebody's attention so that they want to learn more. And, and so that's what we do. So if you, if you go to ahadat.com slash author, we have a three-step process that will show you how to do it yourself. And, and if you do it yourself, it'll take you about eight hours of writing. And on the ghostwriting side, here's where it's really fascinating. We take, it'll be about five hours total, because what we do is we start off with an interview. It's a two to three hour interview, and it's focused on you. And, and I think you mentioned this earlier, we, we rarely have somebody give us so much attention in life. So What's fascinating, and right now I'm doing all the interviews. At some point in time when I get way too busy, I've created a, a certification program, and I'll certify other people to do the interviews as well. But right now I have so much fun talking to somebody and pulling out their genius. And, and what we're really doing in pulling out their genius is I'm helping to pull out the things that they do to serve their community. Because when what happens is we take that interview and we hand it to our ghostwriters who have graduated from the AHA That Writing School, and we typically pair with a ghostwriter who can relate to that content. And what they're doing is they're going to write the manuscript, which has the 140 bite-sized quotes in it. And like I said, anytime when you go on social media and you see these bite-sized quotes that everyone's using – what we're doing is we're just delivering 140 of them, and so any one of them is powerful enough to use to drive attention. Uh, if you don't mind, let me, let me share one more uh, aha message. It's from, uh, it's from a book from a guy by the name of Bill Wallace. He runs a group in Dallas called Success North Dallas. He's been doing that for 30 years. He's the most amazing servant leader that I've ever bumped into. And so my favorite aha message, and I think I've curated 150,000 of them. So my favorite aha message is from Bill Wallace. It's from the group, being, it's from the book being, being a catalyst for success. And here's what Bill says. And by the way, this is, a, this is a beautiful way to live life. He goes, living a good life is determined by the smiles that appear on other people's faces when you enter a room and stay in their faces after you leave. <laughs> How cool is that? That's really cool. But Mitchell, let me go back to something that you started and you just said it somewhere in there and then continue talking that I want to go back to when you were talking about the book and when you are, you ask 
um, or said something in terms um, similar to, okay, so most people don't believe that their book is going to be read by others. If this is correct, and to me that sounds like fear of writing or of being successful or, or being a failure, how do you help your clients to, to get rid of that so they go through the process? Well, so the answer is I, I think your interpretation of my statement is people are concerned about others not reading the book because they feel – this is my interpretation of what you said – that people might think, Oh, I'm not going to write a book because no one will read it because what I'm saying is not of value. Okay, mm -hmm. that's not true at all. Okay, and that was not my intent of my statement, so I'm glad you brought that out. The reason why most people don't read books is because we, as a society, we're, we now are these information junkies that, that go from one website and one message and, and one news outlet and one media outlet to another. And so the the old days of somebody sitting down and actually reading a book from cover to cover, there, there aren't as many people doing that today as there was in the past. So the interpretation of my statement is a lot of times people come to me and they go, Mitchell, I have a book, I have great information, and then they may go a little bit too far and they say, I have a book and the content is so amazing, it's going to sell more books than the Bible. Well, first, I have to say that there is not any piece of information or content that you could write that will sell more books than the Bible. So, so I normally don't work with that person because they're, they're, the expectations are unrealistic. But what also happens is many times people come to me and say, hey, Mitchell, my content's really good. I want it to be in the bookstores. And, and then I'll, the first question I ask is, who, who's your client base, right? And where do they, where do they hang out? And if... If it, a lot of times it might be, <laughs> it might be like if the client base is simply CEOs of, of Fortune 500 companies, right? I'm like, well, the CEOs of Fortune 500 companies actually go to bookstores, and 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 actually look around and randomly search for books, and and the answer there is no. Though sometimes Fortune 500 CEOs, you'll see them at airports. Well, you could have your books sitting in airport shelves. Right, but that'll cost you somewhere between thirty to forty thousand dollars to pay to have your book sitting in in the airport bookstores. So instead, a a great campaign, and this is what to to think about is who is your target audience, and when you write the book, how could you identify even if it's as little as a hundred people who could be prospects of yours, how could you identify a hundred prospects and then physically send them a copy of your book? Right, and and so. The, the point is the, the idea of creating a book and creating this content and having people magically come to you is an idea that, that is kind of like winning the lottery. It's, it's the old school way of thinking. The, the current world way of thinking is, is creating an asset that if I wrote a book that has 140 bite-sized quotes in it and I handed the book to a prospect and they spent a minute and they read three or four aha messages, and that was enough for them to want to talk more with me, I don't care if they read the rest of the book. So that was what I, what I meant by the statement is 
somebody may not read your book, whether it's long form or an aha book, cover to cover. Your goal is to be able to communicate in as short of a period of possible that you're the expert in the space that they're in and that you could solve their issue, you could solve their problem so that they want to interact with you, they want to talk with you. So that was, that was probably what I meant was uh, your prospect may, may not read your book cover to cover. That doesn't mean you shouldn't write it. And what you need to do is, is make it as easy to consume in bite-sized pieces as possible and also recognize that you want to be as focused in your audience of who you're going after as possible so that your audience, when they go to Google and they say, I have a problem, your book pops up. Your audience, when they, when they go to a friend and they go, hey, how do I solve this problem? that friend that's heard of you and you've made it easy for, for, for them to communicate that you're an expert in your space. But that's really the, the point I'm getting at. You know, and that makes so much um, sense and it makes, I was talking about fears, but that just makes the fears away because if we, because you're right, when you are writing a book or when you're thinking of writing a book, usually you think backwards. You think like it was. I want to write this book, and oh my God, how do I start? How many words? How many pages? This paragraph, blah, 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 blah. But if you have it clear that the message you want to send is um, you should buy your flowers on Monday because those are the freshest flowers, that's it. So then you have a real easy book for people to get that message. Now, how do you how do you how do how does a person define what is it that you want to write about? Mm. So I'm I'll I'll point back to the website because so it's at ahavat.com/author. Whether or not you <laughs> end up writing an aha book for us or not. We have a three-step writing process, and I'd like you to just download the Word document. That is step number one. And what we do there is we ask, it's, we, we ask four questions. It's thinly disguised as many more questions, but it, we ask four questions. And at the end of the day, it, you know, it's, it's stuff like what's your name and your bio, what's the title of your book and your subtitle. Most importantly is question number one, who is the audience you serve? What is the pain point you're serving? If you spend the time, and it might take an hour or two for you to fill out the four questions. If you spend the time writing that down, that will answer the question you just asked, is what do you write about? And, and to me, I look at that as the blueprint for your book. It's actually the blueprint for your business. It's the blueprint for your life. But it's, it's, it's the book. And what happens is if you spend the time up front thinking about who is that audience. So you, you mentioned a florist. If you're a florist, um, or if you're a, let's see, buy your flowers on Monday, who else could you be? Um, you could be a, a family counselor. You could be, you know, um, a dating coach. You could be fill in the blank, right? If you're yeah. a person who the aha message would be buy your flowers on Monday because they're the freshest, that's a great aha message. And you want to and potentially um, you may want to put a link back to your website, as part of the message, or you might want to put a, a certain number of hashtags 
that people would be typing in that they may run across that message. And, and ultimately, if you, if you spend the time filling out the four questions, once again, whether or not you publish with us or not, it's a great blueprint. I've looked at the answers to 10,000 sets of those questions. I know immediately when somebody says it, sends me one of those whether or not the book will be successful or not for the author. And just as an aside, I think every human in the world who wants to have some attention from me can get at least a half hour. So if you went to my website and went to my uh, location, you could actually book a half hour of time with me, and I'm happy to, if you fill out the four questions, I'm happy to give you feedback of what I think about it. And, and at the end of the day, the feedback comes from a very simple perspective. And the perspective that I have is who do you want to be or who are you today? Who do you serve? And based on the answers to the four questions, have will you be writing a piece of content that will actually attract the people you serve? And, and I, I know that sounds simple, but it's, it, what's, what's fascinating to me is there are times in which when people think about writing a book, they end up writing about content that they're knowledgeable in, but not content that will bring them their next customer. So I'll give you an example. So imagine you get to a certain age in life where your parents are getting elderly and you need to take care of them. And you end up spending a couple years of your life helping them have a better existence and then at some point in time they pass away. And you have now free time because you're not taking care of your elderly parent anymore. And you also have knowledge because you've helped make their lives that much better. And so lots of times people come to me and say, Mitchell, I want to write, I'm an expert in this area. I want to write a book on it. And so my first question is, so when the book is out, what are you going to do with it? Do you want to open up a new healthcare facility? Do you want to do this for other people? Do you want to train people on a program to do that? And their answer is typically, oh, no, no, I just have knowledge I want to share. My response is, take out your camera, ask yourself four questions, put yourself on video record, record the four questions, put those videos on YouTube or Vimeo, and just call yourself done. So <laughs> spread your knowledge, but don't spend the time writing a book because that thing called a book, this is the best door opener you could possibly have. But if the purpose of your book is to sell more books, that's not in today's world that's not a good reason to write a book the reason to write a new book the reason to put your content out there is because it is that asset that when people look at it they go oh this person has credibility i want to talk to this person about this topic and so when you're thinking about what you write about think about the topics now anyone who's in business um you have probably many topics and many things that you serve for your clients uh, you got to pick one right and maybe that's book one and because we've made the book writing process so simple what you can now think about is oh, maybe I'm gonna have a half dozen books in the next year or two and if you think that way if you think about abundance as opposed to a constrained economy if you think about a life full of abundance and you have six books all representing different areas of the world that you focus on Guess what? When people see that book that focuses on their CPOP, they're thinking about you as the expert. And guess what? We could be experts in more than one area. So we could easily mm -hmm. have more than one book. Yeah, Did I answer your question? 
Yeah, no, and I, I love, while you were talking, I was just feeling the answer and the explanation, and I was just seeing how different it felt when you think of the baby or something that you are going to birth, just to put it in a box and send it to the earth, because, okay, I'm done. Or a baby that, or, or a seed that you're planting or anything that you're doing, and you yourself see it growing and growing and growing, it feels different. It feels one has a purpose and the other one is purposeless. That's a great way to summarize what I said. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it could, it feels that you are on the, on the right spot. It's like, yeah, the only reason why I would invest me myself in something it's because to me it has the value to grow otherwise why bother like why take the moment of your precious time into something that you are not giving it the value i'm so glad you said that i when this is probably like my 180th pod uh, podcast in uh, since the beginning of 2018, <laughs> and I, I obviously if you if you're listening to me and 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 you're empathic in any way, you're you're hearing me talk visually. Uh, I'm a visual thinker. You're hearing my stories. So if you're an oral person, you're following those. I touch a little bit on kinesthetic, but I don't drive it home as well as you just did with your statement. So I'm going to be thinking about what you just said. So thank you for my aha moment. I'm going to be thinking about what you just said and how you said it, and I'll bundle that into a way that I express myself that next, that next interview, because I thought that was really brilliantly said. So thank oh, you. Thank you. Thank you. And so we all have that expertise, right, that we can just put it out but yeah, I, I love your explanation. It makes so much sense, and I'm sure that most of our listeners are going to agree with me that it is so rich. It has so much in, in content of what you are saying. So to go back to our conversation, so we are writing a book. We now decided what is the topic that we want to talk. We have put value into that topic that you want to talk because we know it's something that is going to grow and, and flourish. Then um, we have set out the time, eight hours. You don't need more than that. And you have, um, I think the next step for me would be, do I write it myself? Or do I decide someone else to write it? And I, I think that in, in my intuition says, well, it depends on how good you are in writing. Because some people know right away, mm, I don't write. And some people say, well, I'm good with words. Is that uh, the way that, I, that you would think people should decide? Hmm. You know, it really depends on how you process the world. So, so that would be if you're a visual or kinesthetic processor in mm -hmm. terms of how you process information, yeah, that might be a good way to do it. 
Uh, if you're an oral processor, you know, you're never going to be able to write your book. So you, you want someone <laughs> to write it for you. Okay. Just, it's just the way the world is. Um, I'd say, I'd say one of the things is it depends as well on how good you are at focusing your energy. Right. So if you're a hundred percent focused, so, so even if you're a great writer, but you end up writing on three or four various topics versus one, you may not be focused in the right direction. Sometimes, and what I'm going to say is it, you don't necessarily need uh, somebody to ghostwrite your book to get your book out. Sometimes, however, what the ghostwriter does, because it's a third person, that third person is going to stay very focused on, and, and if that third person is me, um, what I do when I do these interviews is I just want the, my goal is to allow the person I'm talking with to shine, to bring out the best of what they have. And when I say that, it's the best of what they have in a very focused area that we've agreed on, right? And so what's happening when I, when I have conversations, particularly when you, when you have conversations with people who have just high Mensa scores, I mean, just high IQs, you know, and, and, uh, really bright people it's really hard to keep those sort of people focused is what when they say something then they jump in another direction and so mm-hmm. the the concept of this thing called a book so so at the end of the day uh, what should you you should do whatever is fastest if it's fast enough for you to sit down and write you can put something focused together that works yeah just write it um if you want the support of somebody else to help write it for you and there are many people who need that then Find that person, find that entity, that company who's going to produce an asset in a way that you like. And at the end of the day, what you're really thinking about is you have a, you have something that's a representation of you. It is by far the best business card you could possibly grade. So, you know, if you have a business card, what do you do with it? Well, you hand it to the appropriate people who you may want to see it. You know, if you have a business card, you're not going to stand on the street corner and hand it to everyone. That's not appropriate, right? However, if you know who you're targeting, and if you're writing a book, you've you've already figured out how to target your audience. If you know who you're targeting, once again, the best thing you could possibly do when this asset is done is to physically send it. You know, whether you're sending uh, uh, PDF copies or Kindle versions or physical books, I I think sending physical books with a personal autograph in it is always the best vehicle. And and so on the on the writing side, I guess I I I I just kind of think because I'm the author now of 62 books, so now it's one of those things that I don't really you don't really talk when you when you're at 62, you're like, hmm, that's interesting. Like if if I get one more book, I if you read my bio, it says now author of over 60 books because I, you know, it, it doesn't matter if it's 62 or 65, right? It's just, yeah. you know, <laughs> so, um, and, and they're all fun and many of them have co-authors and, and I have great experiences having written books with co-authors and, and what we could talk about and what we do, but every book has a purpose, right? And, and I think when if you're listening to this what you have to think about is you have a purpose on this life and maybe that means you have one or ten or two dozen or in my case a hundred plus books uh, before I pass away I'll, I'll, I'll hit over the hundred mark um, and if that's your purpose then 
make sure you produce those assets in such a way that they appeal to a particular audience. And, and so if you can stay focused enough in your writing where you could write good, compelling prose in a quick amount of time, then you should write. I would say depending on how busy your business is, if you can afford to have somebody else write for you, it's so much better. It's just so much easier. And, and one of the benefits that I often get with our authors that I work with is we have so many aha moments, not, not all of them go into the book because there may be moments of us learning from each other, us looking at the world in a different way because we've had the opportunity to spend two to three hours of focused time together on a very area, very interesting topic. And, and, and we just, as humans, we don't do that enough. We don't spend enough time with an individual focused on a particular area. And so that's what, as a ghostwriter, what I do is I am talking to somebody about them for two to three hours. And, and for many of the people I've worked with, it's the first time ever that somebody has spent that much time with them. It's a really beautiful experience. Yeah, I can relate with that. So, um, Mitchell, we are reaching the end of the show. We have uh, less than five minutes to finish up. I don't know if if we have enough time to talk about something else or we should just wrap up. What do you think? Uh, well, <laughs> how about, let's see, let me, let me tell people how they could reach out to me. And I'll think yes. about something I could share in just a couple of minutes that would be compelling to this audience based on our conversation. And uh, we'll for those that want to, oh, I'd love to. I'd love to. Thank you. Yeah. Um, if you want to reach out to me, uh, so what I used to do when I started this, I'd rattle off like five or six different websites, and and I ran across somebody who I really liked, and I ended up creating a single landing page with all of my content. So if you go to MitchellLevy360.com, so that's my name, Mitchell, M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L, last name L-E-V-Y, 360.com, what you'll see is you'll see a customer testimonial video, and then you'll have access to, we have a ton of different, so I do podcasts and video casts, but there's also an opportunity to book time on my calendar. So feel free to book a slot on my calendar um, if you want to interact. I'm book, Now I'm booking about a month out, so feel free to book a, book a slot in in the time that uh, that makes sense uh, based on the based on the calendar and I'm happy to happy to chat with you and I think ah there we go I was wondering if I spoke something would pop here's the way to think about it there's something you said when we first talked uh, first before we talked on the air and then afterwards you're like Mitchell you know the person who, who booked you um, I ended up looking at your site and I, I just liked what I saw it felt really comfortable. It looked like you're doing great things in the world. And to me, what you have to think about if you're in the world today and you want to serve others is when people hear about you, whether or not they heard about you from a friend or they heard about you from a Google search or they, they randomly saw your business card sitting on the sidewalk. Uh, however somebody heard about you and they Google your name, what shows up. And what you have to recognize is that somewhere between three to 40 seconds that somebody might spend looking at your material 
it has to be compelling enough so that they go, you know what, I'm going to give it another minute or I might give it two minutes. So one of the best, I mean, in today's world, one of the best ways to make something, what you do compelling is create videos, right? If somebody could see you and feel you and hear you in a short video, that might be enough to close the loop to learn more. And, and so that's probably what I'd say if you're just thinking about who you are and how you serve your audience. If somebody Googles your name or Googles the topic of, of what you focus on, do you, do you pop up and what do you look like uh, when people see you? And, and put on the lens of somebody who doesn't know you and see what it, what it says. And if it's, if it's not what you want, well, fix it. <laughs> you can. And if you can't figure out how to fix it, um, go to YouTube and, and type in, how do I fix how I look when I sign on? Or, or find the person who you like. Uh, this is not the place that we spend energy on, but I have people I could recommend. But find somebody you like who does this for a profession and get, and get some ideas on how to fix how you show up when people Google your name. Because, you know, it's, it's that before people know you, they want, they want to, to get to know you before they hire you. And they're going to do it by doing a search online. I think in almost every profession, people spend 98% of their time searching on the Internet before they actually talk to somebody. So you just kind of make sure when they're searching and interacting on the area that you spend time that you show up the way that you want to present yourself. Thank you, Mitchell. So, everybody, this was Mitchell Levy, the AHA that guy. So, again, to find him, go to ahadarko.com. And Mitchell, we would love to have you back. I will let you know other openings that we might have for the end of the, of the year. But it was beautiful to have you here. You have taught us so much. And now we will just see this conversation grow and grow and grow. So it's hard for men, by men. <laughs> My pleasure. Thanks, Claudia. Thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure talking with you. The same. Thank you. And everybody have a beautiful long weekend and we'll see you back Friday. Thank you, Mitchell. And goodbye. Take care. You're welcome. Bye now. Bye everybody.